0: Welcome to the College Baseball Nation podcast. I'm your host, John Peters, joined by Kyle McKelvey. Today on the podcast, we're recapping all the action from the 12th weekend of college baseball. Let's talk college baseball. Happy Mother's Day, Kyle, to all of the mothers out there, uh, including both of our wives, who this is their first Mother's Day they've ever celebrated as moms.
1: Yeah, happy Mother's Day. And happy birthday to my wife. It's today. Oh,
0: wow. It's a big weekend for Juliet. It is. Big week. So I want to talk about what we did for Mother's Day. We took a trip up to Maine and we took it with the kiddo and the dog, which was our first adventure. First off with the baby. So the baby left the state for the Mm -hmm. first time. Whoa. Under five months. And now he's checked off uh, Massachusetts, New Hampshire and Maine. I'm pretty sure that he slept through New Hampshire on the way up and the way back. It's only about ten miles on the highway. <laughs> yeah, we made zero stops in New Hampshire. Uh, just the the interstate goes right through it on the way up to Maine. <laughs> but he he put, he dipped his toes in the Atlantic Ocean, so uh, he is yeah officially now been in the ocean. And I think I've discovered something about my dog, Omaha. I think despite him being named Omaha, his favorite state is Maine. I think in his like ideal world, he would just run (laughs) through the New England forests day and night and then only come home uh, so that he could lay at the foot of our bed and uh, uh, stay close to us.
1: (laughs) Be warm. That's nice. Yeah, that's kind of what uh, I want to do, too. (laughs)
0: the run through the forest sounds all right i don't know about the curling up the end of my bed kyle i don't don't know if i let you there (laughs) no i think i think you do our dog bed our dog's bed is pretty big it's like memory foam and everything and he's like a 70 pound dog so i bet you could fit yeah
1: i could fit yeah i'm pretty short (laughs) i'm on uh, team fit for shortness (laughs) yeah my dog has never left the state of Texas. So I just I have to imagine that her favorite state is Texas. But um I, I think she might love other states. There there's she she loves it when it's wintertime here because then she can go on really long walks and, and like not die from heat exhaustion because she's got a lot of fur. And we can take her on longer walks because we don't we don't uh worry about the heat. So maybe she would like a a state like Nebraska or something that's it's got more mild summers. I don't know.
0: One of the highlights of my dog's life probably was when we went uh, to Omaha and uh, I uh, took a picture in front of a sign that said like Omaha, Nebraska. His yes. name's Omaha. Yeah, I think he's been to more states probably than the average American because we drove him from California to Massachusetts. So that's like 10 states all the way there. And now he's been to like every state in New England. So he's a uh, a nation traveler. This
1: guy, he could start his own blog. <laughs> Yeah, he's been he's probably been to more of those like northern states because you I mean you if you went through like Nebraska and stuff. I, I haven't gone like that far north to like Idaho or Wyoming. I don't know. Did y'all go that far north or no? No. I don't I don't know if you, if you know how how <laughs> no, geography works. See. It's like oh no, I don't know where Idaho is, I guess. I'm looking at a map right now. Yeah, <laughs> we did is like the north. northernish route.
0: And I think we touched through Wyoming for a bit. I don't think we ever made it to Idaho.
1: Okay, well, it's not that far much further. yeah, really. yeah,'ll
0: I'll cut you some slack. All right. <laughs> uh, and I okay Kyle two options. Either we could head into our top story or we could turn this into a geography
1: podcast, which would you prefer? We could do like a like a state capital quiz. I'm I basically... right, I'm cutting you off there. <laughs> our top
0: story. LSU drops its second straight series. Is it time to hit the panic button in Baton Rouge after run ruling Mississippi state in game one by a score of 12 to one and just seven innings. LSU dropped games two and three by scores of four to nine and 13 to 14 in a 10 inning game. Kyle is the sky falling in Louisiana or should we all just cool our jets?
1: I think so. I think, uh, do you think the sky's I mean, falling? <laughs> yeah, I think the sky's falling. When, got when Chicken you Little, live runs, on the
0: podcast right now. <laughs> <laughs>
1: when, when you score thirteen runs, you can't really complain too much. But when your bullpen lets up fourteen, that's pretty bad. They all LSU also seemed like struggled with runners on base. I think, let's see, they left left on base by batters. LSU had ten batters left on base. But Mississippi State still had fourteen, so that game could have had a lot more runs than it did. But this so is game game three. Yeah, this is game three. My bad.
0: Yeah, and also it's... worth talking about in that game three, LSU had a nine run lead in that game. Oof. This is like, this game was over. This game, I mean, it was five to one in the third, 10 to four in the fourth, 13 to four in the fifth. I mean, this is halfway through the game. Over halfway through the game, LSU was a nine run lead. Oh, gives up four runs in the sixth, five runs in the seventh, one run in the tenth, and that will do it for you in front of a likely disappointed home crowd which is already clamoring for jay johnson's firing even though we aren't already even, are, aren't even through the season and they're still ranked top 10 but in front of 11,000 fans losing a game to one of the worst teams in the conference mississippi state is not a good look for lsu and jay johnson's tigers
1: yeah and it's it seems like mississippi state just had a ton of home runs this whole the whole weekend they had five total between their last two games. And that's just usually LSU's pitching staff has been pretty good in the past at limiting home runs. And I don't know this Mississippi state offense just woke up. So credit to Mississippi state for winning the series on the road, something that they desperately need for their Hoover hopes. I don't know if they can get there still they'll, they'll have to sweep AM at home next week and hope for either zoo or Georgia to be swept. Yeah. That uh, which is, is possible. A really but...
0: narrow path for Mississippi state. Yeah. But they gave themselves a fighting chance. I think something else I want to highlight, which is a a nice moment to to humble ourselves a little bit. I remember talking in the preseason about how big Thatcher Hurd's transfer was to LSU, how Christian Little was going to find himself at LSU. Christian Little only threw a third of an inning, gave up four earned runs on Sunday. Thatcher Hurd threw 0.0 innings, (laughs) so recorded no outs, gave up five earned runs in game two so guys who they thought would produce for them at least in some meaningful way uh have not done it yet i I, i'm gonna take the side up i don't think lsu should hit the panic button sky is falling just quite yet losing series is bad losing series late in the season is bad but at home losing series in the (laughs) postseason is worse right (laughs) like you know you, you lose a regional you're you're done. You lose your super. You're done. You 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 lose two games in Omaha. You're done. I'm curious what Jay Johnson does. I I I think you know if these two series losses have been scattered throughout the year, and LSU was ranked number five in the country, we would feel fine about LSU. We would say they have some holes, but this is whatever. This is fine. They're they're a good team. They still obviously have one of the best offices in the country, one of the best aces in the country, if not the best ace in the country. But the fact that these come back-to-back weekends late in the season, I think now it's really, it's time for Jay Johnson to coach his team. And if we see a turnaround, if we see a deep run into Omaha for Jay Johnson at LSU, then you start to feel like, okay, yeah, Jay Johnson coached his way out of this these very coachable moments. If not, then you start getting, I think, the narrative of, yeah, he has so much talent, but can he coach that talent? And that's a hard place to be if you're an LSU head coach.
1: Yeah, that's true. It's uh, it's especially with the pitching. I think that's they're they might make some pitching change in the off season. I'm not uh, reporting anything. Just seems like I don't know. Seems seems iffy that they would keep with this. I don't know. You think you'd think that you're hurting Christian Little coming Little coming in would help to solidify the bullpen or even the starting rotation? But I don't know. It seems they seem uh, out of their depths almost.
0: Yeah, regressed a little bit. Mm-hmm. Okay, guys, let's head over to our brand-new college baseball top 50. Talk about that a little bit more. Talk about the 10 series from our pick a little bit more. At the top, Wake Forest is number one, followed by Arkansas two, Florida three, Stanford. LSU rounds up the top five. Then we head down six through 10 is Coastal, Carolina, West Virginia, Campbell, DBU, Miami. We had uh, a couple of teams enter into the top 25, I think none of them maybe were particularly exciting. Alabama did finally sneak up from its, it's hanging around the top 25 for a while. So Alabama's in there. Oklahoma state likewise was 26 now pops up to 23. Boston college right on the cusp back at 24 and Auburn also new to the top 25, a whole host of teams entered in the top 50, including Southern Cal Louisiana, Georgia tech, Oklahoma Wreckers, Notre Dame, TCU, and Sam Houston, Anything else about our brand new college baseball top 50 that stands out to you,
1: Kyle? We had a bit of, a bit of debate at uh, 9 and 10. DBU I want to say this is like the most Miami. we've debated all year. Like, I feel like we spent like yeah. three
0: hours like debating <laughs> I don't know. five spots last night.
1: <laughs> yeah. So there's DBU versus Miami. I mean, in the end, it doesn't matter. Like one spot like it is not a huge deal. Uh, DBU swept a road series to secure their lead in the uh in, in Cusa. Yeah, I got they had that a really regular season record.
0: champ. First first year in the conference, no problem. No problem for DBU. <laughs> yeah,
1: no big deal. Miami also uh had a really good weekend. They won a series at Pitt. That was a, a big weekend. And we we just been debating. It seemed like neither team really had that like insane conference win. Like Miami didn't beat Wake or I don't know, someone else, like, they had, they had two really good, like, pretty good series. And DBU just had that really good road series to secure their um regular season championship. So, in the end, I was fine with DBU. You were the one fighting for them. So, I conceded, and that, that was fine. At the end the of the day, one,
0: Miami has struggled on the road a little bit. It's true. But as of late, they've had more success. So, like, yeah, like you're saying, Pitt is not a world beater in terms of ACC, but, like, winning on the road... Traveling all the way from Miami to Pitt. That's like, that's hard to win that series on the road. Miami did it. But uh, at the end of the day, I I won the battle there and convinced you to put DBU <laughs> a spot higher than Miami.
1: The other one that we jumped up, had to jump up a lot was Washington, jumped up 19 spots on the weekend. They've seemingly really nicely recovered from some early season bad losses. The last three series, they have a home sweep against USC, who was Maybe a postseason team. We'll get into that later this week, (laughs) and then a road win at Wazoo and a road win at Oregon in that nice rivalry series. Those two, so those are those are some really good series wins, and that's why they've jumped up a lot.
0: I'm generally a believer that there are some like linchpins teams out there. Like every region needs to have a somewhat of a power in order to stay competitive. So, like Mm -hmm. having Oregon State for so long be the pacific northwest's like linchpin i think has been really good for the pacific northwest in recent years we've seen oregon and now washington searching and i think when you have a few really good teams like that they're just going to continue to duke it out and that's just going to drive the quality of the baseball of baseball in the pacific northwest up i think you're seeing the same thing with yukon and boston college and northeastern in the northeast so washington being good I want to say it is good for baseball. Like let's get some get some yeah. powers concentrated in these less common baseball regions and uh, it's only going to help grow the sport. Exactly.
1: Yeah, more more eyes on the sport is good for the sport. That's we were talking about bandwagon's last week. This is how you build fan base by starting out with bandwagon's and then they they become regular fans.
0: I have to also say I'm a sucker for for purple uniforms. So <laughs>
1: TCU, Kansas State, LSU, Washington. Who else? Uh,
0: I mean, ECU's got them.
1: (laughs) ECU, yeah. Think of some other ones later,
0: Uh, Kyle. Let's head over to our Pick'em recap while you contemplate all the purple uniforms out there in existence. (laughs) Uh, I want to start off with W's on my end. Uh, So I think so. Let's actually let's do a high level evaluation we both went three and two this weekend we both have winning weekends you are moving a couple games above 500 on the year and so i would say pat ourselves on the back good weekend it's hard predicting series late in the year my w's this year or this week were florida over vanderbilt and i i said last time on the podcast like i don't know if florida's gonna be able to sweep vanderbilt and take over the sec east League. that seems like a tall order florida <laughs> went ahead and swept vanderbilt and i want to say I, I watched that game three florida versus vanderbilt Jack Caglione, I think I would say had his best start of the year. Like He looked nearly dominant. I want to say it was eight or nine Ks stretched over five innings. Uh, he had a that run charge to him that was actually given up by the reliever who relieved him. Generally speaking, he had his stuff working. He was dominant. He was offensive. Jack Caglione won Florida game three of that series. And when Florida when Florida has Jack Caglione pitching five innings of quality baseball, I would say they are nearly unbeatable. With mm-hmm. with Spro and with Waldrop, if Caglione is an ace, three three basically aces, right? Like that and and an offense that's one of the best in the country. And Florida looked like one of the best teams in the country uh, over the weekend.
1: Yeah, and he hadn't been that good the last like several weeks. And so no, by far, by, by far his it best. It yeah, definitely <laughs> yeah.
0: his best SEC start. Clemson, meanwhile, had a 4-0 week themselves after now another sweep. So the Clemson swept Virginia Tech. I got that one right, and that was a road series win. Clemson also had that midweek win against Coastal. Clemson, everything's looking up Tigers right now. Eric Backage is looking like a genius right now in terms of most improved teams, which is an award that we will be giving out. I feel like Clemson now is very rapidly rising up my personal rankings list for most improved teams from a year ago. A little bit of a gut pick for me, knowing how good USC has been at home, I picked USC and got that one right. They also ended up sweeping Arizona State, and we will get into it in our Wednesday podcast. Arizona State is moving towards the wrong side of the bubble. At this point, USC did themselves a lot of favors by winning this series. USC maybe the Tennessee of the Pac-12, so much better at home than they are on the road. Uh, They... uh, I, I mean, basically, if, if they played every series at home, I don't know if they would have lost a game in the Pac-12. <laughs> They're nearly unbeatable at home. <laughs> the two that I got wrong, DBU, ended up sweeping UTSA. I changed my pick right before the podcast, and man, that was that was for the worst. Uh, DBU, uh, it was a little bit of a weird weekend. I mean, they put the doubleheader on the Friday, and they had the day off on Saturday because of the storms, and they even had a rain delay in that second game on Friday ended up being a little bit more high scoring than I would have thought. I, I mean, I know UTSA's offense is really good. I, I kind of thought it was going to be more of a DBU's pitching would overwhelm UTSA if it was a, a series that, you know, if you told me DBU was going to sweep this series, I would have thought maybe a little bit lower scoring games. Nope, DBU hung hung with that UTSA offense, and I've definitely re- made me reevaluate DBU as a whole, why we have DBU in the top 10. And then Bama AM and similarly, they didn't get going until 7 p.m. Central time on Sunday night in that game three. Alabama uh, end up winning that game, maybe in retrospect and wishes they had not forced not forced had not done so much work to get that field in good conditions uh to play that game, but uh, Alabama got a huge, huge road series win, not only moving into our top twenty five, but I would say he's gonna be moving into hosting con- conversation depending on obviously what happens in the next two weeks,
1: yeah, we both we both did three and two we we we, we did all right my uh my three series wins. I had um. I picked UNC to win that NC State series. I thought it would be closer than it was, but UNC agreed, dominated. (laughs) I feel like, I mean, that game one was really close. NC State came out and scored five runs in the first, and I thought they would have secured that one. But they, they, the NC State couldn't hold off a furious UNC comeback, and UNC walked it off with a weird, like a fun play in the bottom of the ninth, with a bunt single. for like with a runner on third, and so it was, it was, it seemingly came out of nowhere, and they uh was it a, was it a squeeze played that fun one
0: was it a suicide squeeze. I can't remember. I if guess it was so. A, I can't remember if it was just safety squeeze or suicide squeeze. Right. squeeze, but it was like to me, it felt like that was the rec- roll credits on NC State season. Like in the end,
1: it did. It did feel like that. Yeah, I I can't help but look at. Like seasons or series late in the season like this without a postseason like bend to it, but this does this does feel like like nail in the coffin for for NC State. They really needed this series win, maybe just one game, but I, I don't know. It they, now they're they're too low in the RPI and conference wins. I think they're, I think they're out of it. Dunzo. The one of my other wins was Kentucky Tennessee. Tennessee is a, a basically perfect team at home. They're a entirely different team on the road. I don't I don't understand why they can't get their road issues figured out. But yeah, Chase Burns I, out of the out of the bullpen. Oh, go ahead.
0: I, if someone smarter than us is able to figure out why Tennessee is so much worse on the road, like my first thought would be, like, oh, Lindsey Nelson Stadium is super offensive. So, you know, like they're off, it's, but their pitching is just bad on the road. Like that doesn't make sense. Yeah. It feels like leaving Lindsey Nelson should make your pitching be better. <laughs> better. It, I don't get it. Like what is happening to Tennessee on the, anyways, I'll let you yeah. go. <laughs>
1: yeah. So Chase Burns coming out of the bullpen, switching, switching up his roles is, is, has been, like paying off in in spades for Tennessee he's he was nails in two inning two or so innings in that game one that kind of secured that that win to Ken, Kentucky was trying to come back but yeah credit to T- Kentucky for salvaging that game 3 they shut them out five pitchers combined to shut, shut out Tennessee but still this is it Tennessee could go 3-0 in a home regional or 0-2 in a road regional and I don't know what the committee's going to do with that what like what 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 is, what is the committee going to do with a team like that you can't like, benefit question. them too much by making them a host. But you also... I don't know. It's weird.
0: Yeah, I feel like I imagine in like an ideal world, they'll just look at them objectively and say, does this resume equal a host? And not think about whether or not yeah. they're rewarding or punishing Tennessee. But in some ways, it's really... You know, I, I think one thing that is definitely true about the committee that is less true about the average fan and about you and me is that when we're doing these Field of 64s, we do them week at a time. The fans are thinking about these constantly. That's not Mm -hmm. how the committee operates. It's not like every week they meet and say, like, okay, where are things at? Like, what they do is they meet basically at the end of the year. They talk to their regional advisory committees, and then they discuss. So they're going to be looking at these, uh, all of this, you know, this year in a whole, not week by week. And they might be coming, some of these committee members might be coming in with this bias of like, wasn't Tennessee supposed to be one of the best teams in the country this year? And, you know, like that might flavor that conversation that, that happens at the end of the year.
1: That's true. And the committee does not officially use road record as one of their criteria. So it might not affect them, but we'll see. Another one. uh, Another one I got right was Oklahoma state beating Kansas state in Stillwater. Oklahoma State lost game one, and Juwan Rotz Brown wasn't as sharp as he usually is, but it was still a pretty close game. Uh, and they ended up salvaging or winning the series in the next two games. Chase Atkinson was a double away from the cycle in game two, where they scored 19 runs. Uh, Oklahoma State had a combined seven doubles, two triples, and three home runs. That's that's just that's an insane amount of hits. And yeah, blew up. Have yourself Kansas a day. State. Yeah. <laughs> blew up Kansas State's pitching staff and that was enough to do the same like essentially ruin the bullpen for the next day too. There was they won in a run rule 12 to 2. So hats off to Oklahoma State for pushing down Kansas State in the standings and kind of securing their host bid in my mind. Mm-hmm. Team that really messed up their post outlook was Texas State. We we both had we had Texas State like right there on the bubble. I think just in but like bubble one of the last four, but, but yeah, they, they were starting to swept. feel
0: pretty good in my mind, because I think last week they had the RPI up in the 30s, that felt pretty good for a Sunbelt team, for, but yeah, like you they, were saying, uh,
1: big old goose egg game. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh, that's not something you want to do, but I don't know, maybe Louisiana is making their bid for the postseason. I feel like this, this kind of, I feel like we're going to have four or five before Sunbelt teams, and this is kind of Louisiana announcing themselves as one of those teams. And yeah.
0: Louisiana, I want to say I think it's hosts Southern Miss,
1: or maybe it's on the road at Southern Miss. I can't remember. They played Southern Miss in the last week know. of the season.
0: Louisiana, I think it's seventeen and ten. Last I checked in the Sun Belt. Wow, okay. both these are from memory, so hopefully that's right. But like, that's a lot of wins in a good conference. And I know their RPI is in the sixties. That's so not doing them any favors. But like. Louisiana all of a sudden went from like really doesn't see a path for an at large bid to like, hey, you win that last series of the year. Maybe your RPI jumps up into the 40s, 50s. Maybe you win some game Like Louisiana, I think by sweeping carved themselves a path to have an at large bid. It's a narrow one, but they did it.
1: Yep. Yeah. I think they probably should, they should have to sweep or win that Southern Miss series and that would definitely up their RPI a lot. But yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a impressive weekend for, for Louisiana. One that I got another one that I got wrong was Mizzou, Georgia. Mizzou hosted the Bulldogs, you know, one that the Bulldogs really needed for their postseason bid. I think we still had them out. But if they won this series on the road or maybe even swept, that would have been enough wins in my, in our mind, because they they have to go to LSU next weekend. And I, I don't think they can win that series. Or maybe they host LSU. I think they host LSU. Yeah, host. Um but Luke Mann went off four for eight in the first two games with three home runs, six RBIs. And two explosive games and that third game was close, but credit Mizzou for uh sweeping that series. Out. It was crazy. That's it. I went three the and of two the day, three and two. Not both bad.
0: went three and two. You know what? You gotta win your weekends, right? That's what we say in college baseball. We yeah. both won our weekends.
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: Kyle let's take a quick break and we'll be back with a little bit of meal time. And we are back. If you haven't already, please rate and review the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening, but hopefully one of the big ones. And if you leave us a review, we'll give you some credit in the post-credit run. Kyle, you ready for a little bit of mail time? time. We have... Three questions in our mailbag, and they're all postseason focused. I think that makes a whole lot of sense. We're at the time of year, we're running out of regular season games, and people care a lot about the postseason. So let's do our best to answer the good people's questions about the postseason. The first question comes to us via the 1012 network. And I want to dive into this one because this is basically. You know, whenever like your teacher at the end of class was like, okay, we have five minutes at the end of class. Maybe you should start working on your homework before it's due next time. We're going to start working on our homework a little bit because come Wednesday, nice. we're going to make a brand new field of 64 projection. And the question the 1012 network offers us is which big 12 teams can still play their way into the NCAA tournament. That is a question that you and I are going to be debating a whole lot come Wednesday. So let's get a little bit. Let's do a little bit of our homework right
1: now. Kyle, what do you have? what All do right. you have to say about this question? So we can work on or we can just knock out the three teams that are safe in my mind. West Virginia, Oklahoma State, Texas. I think Kansas State is also safe. Is that you think that's fair? They're 48 in the RPI, twelve and nine standings tied with tied for third in the Big Twelve standings with Texas. I think they're also safe.
0: At least reasonably safe. They they have to TCU. Like I imagine a world that gets swept by TCU. They're twelve and twelve, they're probably not in. But like, yeah. Let's say reasonably safe.
1: Yeah, that RPI is a little concerning, but it's... uh, Yeah, they're fine. So the other teams are TCU, Texas Tech, and Oklahoma. Oklahoma has the highest of the RPI of those three, but they're at 10 and 11 RPI, or in in the Big 12 standings, with a series win over TCU and a series loss to Tech. So in my mind, the, the latter goes Texas Tech, Oklahoma, TCU. But TC was in the head and in, in, in the lead in the standings. It just, it's a, uh, I, so I I guess the question is which teams can play their way in. I it's
0: think any of those the, three can. Yeah. 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 There are seven teams in the Big 12, which can make it into the NCAA tournament with one week to go in the regular season. And that's kind of baffling, right? That's like, yeah. Like this feels like, I want to say it was 2019 when the Big 12 was second in conference RPI and just felt like the whole Big 12 should make the NCAA tournament. Basically, this it's not, we're not quite there. Uh, if memory serves me correctly, I think the Big 12 over the weekend dropped... Nope, they dropped back down to the fourth place conference, but then they went back mm-hmm. up to the third place via some mystical magic that is conference RPI. <laughs> so they're again, again the third conference in conference RPI. I don't think seven is a reasonable number. No. So I think it's fair to say seven teams are playing for five or six spots. So Kansas Baylor out, but I totally agree... That when you have three teams that are all in the 30s and 40s in the RPI, all around 500 in the conference, they're all playing for everything. Which makes what happened with TCU over the weekend kind of embarrassing. They swept Baylor and nobody saw it. Nobody was at those <laughs> games. Nobody went to Lepton Stadium to watch
1: TCU sweep Baylor. But... One of them was at uh, the new Rangers ballpark.
0: That's kind of cool. Ooh, that's pretty cool. I love it. I love it. That's one of my favorite things in college baseball is when teams that are in the same town as MLB teams use their parks. Uh, Boston yeah. College does that with Fenway, which is awesome. And no, oh, that's cool. Yeah. Like, I I love it. I, I love it when college, like when the MLB teams are like, yeah, we have an open weekend. Let's have some college baseball on here because it just is uh, unlike, I would say, unlike in like college football, which I want to say every college football game should be at a home stadium. Absolutely. In college baseball, there's so many games. I feel like it's really cool when when the kids get to go play at historic stadiums or brand new baseball stadiums. Anyways, 1012 Network, I hope that answers your question. Let's head over to a question that we got from Carl on Twitter. Is the number of P4 teams with good RPIs but bad conference records unusual? I think this is a pretty insightful question because it really taps at something that I think is it's really hard it's really hard to to jump into the end of the po- into the college baseball season and really understand exactly what's going on with RPI because what we see year in and year out really Carl is that this happens a lot especially happens in the SEC and the ACC sometimes it happens too in, in the Big 12 or in the Pac 12 but I think really most common, the most common culprit here is the SEC, and so I want to pick out a few examples that that Carl might be thinking about. So we have Mississippi State at 44 in the RPI. Yeah, that's a tournament team. Decent number of times, right? They're 8-19 in the SEC. Probably not making the NCAA Yikes. tournament. <laughs> Similarly, Missouri, Georgia, 38-36 in the RPI, 10 and 17, both of them, and the. Uh, conference standings and we head over to the sec i think the prime example from a year ago was nc state and lo behold nc state and the acc has somehow done it again they're 10 and 16 in the conference terrible 26 in the rpi pretty darn good we also have louisville louisville at 34 in the rpi 9 and 18 overall Is this year different right i I, want to say no
1: it doesn't. It feels like maybe there's a little bit more of ex, extreme. Like NC State is six games under five hundred in conference, with a really good overall record. Like they're thirty-one and eighteen overall, which means they racked up a lot of wins in non-conference, but they're just not not as good against their conference as they usually are. So they scheduled well, which is why that RPI is so high. And the AC, ACC overall has three teams in the top ten in RPI. That's usually like enough to rack up a lot of RPI games and win but i feel like they got swept a few times when they shouldn't have like this weekend they got swept uh, yeah swept by clemson a few weeks ago so that like that's not good when you get swept because you don't get that rpi road win
0: i feel like what this conversation always leads me to is who should be in the ncaa tournament and the committee like we've referenced has certain criteria about overall win loss record rpi win loss records in your last 15 games conference standings conference championships like, there's certain criteria that the, the committee uses to determine who belongs in the NCAA tournament but like i think at like a higher level debate of like, like who who deserves let's say put deserves in quote and like in maybe like a philosophical sense to be in the postseason like is an nc state team that's rpi 26 that's 10 you know one of the toughest strength schedules in the country But they've lost quite a few games. Do they deserve to play for a national championship? I mean, if your goal is to put the best teams in the NCAA tournament, maybe. But like at the end of the day, it's also like, what's the likelihood that a team that is winning 38% of their conference games going to win a national championship? That feels pretty low. So I I think it's always tough. But at the end of the day, there seem to be some arbitrary values the committee Mm -hmm. uses. When it comes to these different conferences where if you don't get at least X number of conference wins, you don't get considered. And 10 is not the number for NC State. Our last question comes to us from Matt on Twitter. What do you think Kentucky has to do with three games left versus Florida and the SEC tournament to host and possibly even stay in top eight? This is a good one because Kentucky, yep. I think, has escaped reason when it came comes to the RPI. <laughs> Um, I mean, let's uh, let's put it a little bit more explicitly. I think Kentucky scheduled incredibly, incredibly well. The strength the schedule is two. And if you look at some of these non-conference wins, thirty, they have a series win against thirty-win Elon, series win against thirty-four-win Wright State, thirty-five-win Indiana State, twenty-nine-win Southern Illinois. They found teams that won a bunch of games. Basically, Kentucky scheduled some of the best mid-major mid-major teams in the country. So like. Great job. And they won the series, too. It's You can't just schedule them. You have to win. So Kentucky did really, really well in terms of who they found in their non-conference. And that's led them to the number one overall RPI. They are only three games above the 500, though, in the SEC, in fourth place in the SEC East, with three games coming up against Florida. To me, it feels like they have to win the series to have a chance at top eight.
1: Yeah. So Boyd's World says that their RPI is top 8 solidly like they even if they get swept and go own 2 and in, or maybe just own 1 I, I think they're in line for that first first spot um if they go own 4 I guess is what I'm saying in the rest of their games they'll still be top 8 rpi so I feel like that's maybe enough for host if they if they're stuck at 15 wins with a top 8 rpi I feel like a committee would make that team a host I think like we've seen other teams like that in the past like uh, North Carolina from a few years ago, I think where they had like a really high RPI and yeah, just like, 500 year. in conference just last year. I was right. Yeah. Uh. So may- maybe, but is it, does it matter if it's a team like Kentucky and not a team with a brand like Florida or Tennessee? I don't know. Maybe not yeah. Tennessee.
0: But... Kentucky does have a pretty new new stadium. So they definitely have the facilities to host. It's true. Uh, and maybe the con- committee will consider the fact that Kentucky did sweep South Carolina in the last three weeks of the year. So it's not like this Kentucky season team is totally cold. But I, I I think I want to say if Kentucky gets 16 wins, so even if they lose a series to Florida, but they're 16 and 14, their RPI is probably going to be like two at the worst. You know, like, if they're going to have a top five RPI with 16 SEC wins. That feels like a host to me, even if they go own one or on two, depending on how the the standing shake out in the conference uh Tournament bracket shakes out the whole buy, double buy situation in the SEC. I think what gets really yeah. tricky for Kentucky in terms of top eight is they're fourth in their division. They're behind South Carolina, even though they swept them behind Vanderbilt, Florida. If they swept Florida, that would put them ahead of the Gators. So, you know, that put them at least at the third place in the East. Third place in the East feels like very decent odds of a top eight. Even if they just win that series, maybe okay odds of a top eight. But I, I would say personally, I wouldn't feel comfortable about Kentucky top eight unless they sweep Florida.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure. I don't, I don't think so either. I'm uh, just looking at their their resume or their their schedule. I guess they really only have two, maybe three series wins over tournament teams. I don't know. That's that's not a, a like a criteria that the committee uses, but it just seems like I don't know. They they have that series win at Bama, which is nice. That series sweep against South Carolina, which is nice. And then Indiana State a sweep. So like that's and they've wrecked up basically just not getting swept basically in, in a lot of their series. So that's they've wrecked wins that way.
0: Wright state is probably a tournament team. They have oh, a five game lead in the horizon. So it's like it's again, it's like they scheduled some of the best mid-major teams. I know Elon's yeah. dropped off a little bit of lately, but they still have a solid chance of winning the colonial. So like, yeah, it's and even Southern Illinois the Missouri Valley. Yeah, I mean, I guess Indiana State as a, as a decent lead but at the end of the day they scheduled so well I, it's just it's one of those things where like do we think the committee's going to give their resume enough thought to recognize that this feels more like a scheduling abnormality than it does a uh i don't want to say legitimate number one overall rpi team <laughs> because Kentucky won these games but um it's like DBU last year. Uh, I think they got, yeah. they had a higher RPI than what they ended up being seeded because I think the committee recognized that DBU was pretty clever with scheduling last year. So I want to say I feel good about Kentucky hosting. I don't feel great about them being a top eight unless they, I'd say, win what, Sweet. three games, four games <laughs> in the next couple of weeks, you know, combined, like maybe win that series against Florida, yeah. maybe win a couple of games in the SEC tournament. Then I start feeling like they're a top eight team. I think you're right. I think that's good enough. Thanks for listening to the College Baseball Nation podcast. Check out our website, collegebaseball.info. Or our socials at collegeballnat. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the midweek.